Hi, I'm Madhuni Krishnan, editor of Skift Airline Weekly, and welcome to the podcast. We're doing something a little bit different with the podcast now. We're bringing you audio of our weekly live stream, Mondays with Skift Airline Weekly, which we broadcast every week, every Monday, at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. Join us next week. We'll take your questions while we discuss the hottest topics in the airline industry. You can register at forum.skift.com. First, let me introduce our guests. Amy Burr is the Managing Director of Operations and Partnership at JetBlue Technology Ventures, uh, formerly of Virgin America. And uh, in the interest of fair disclosure, we used to work together several years ago at Virgin America. So this is a bit of a reunion. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. And, uh, also joining us is Nirali Shah, the Director of Innovation Partnerships at Vantage Airport Group. Good morning, Nirali. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So this is a, you know, I wanted to thank you. I'm really excited about this conversation because the things, some of the things your two companies are working on together are kind of top of mind right now in the midst of a pandemic and, and to reassure people as they, that the travel experience is safe, particularly on the airport side. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, first of all, about contactless travel and what J- JTV, if I can call it that, and, yes. um, and Vantage are doing together in that space. Well, I'll kick it off with just current program and then um, Nirali, please jump in and talk about some of the interesting things we're really focused on. Um, So JTV, we have a a number of partners in our partnership program of which um, Vantage is one of our our great partners. Um, And we've had this opportunity right now, um, given, you know, the the structure of, you know, a lot of digital remote work and the work from home to run a a sort of mini, what we call an innovation sprint. Um, but we're doing it with all of our partners, um, Vantage being one of our most important ones. And we're, t- and we're talking right now about contactless journey. So the great thing about this, um, this program and this, in this um, sprint we're running is it's about six weeks worth of time. We, are, you know, we have JetBlue, we have JetBlue travel products, we've got Vantage, we've got Air, um, Air New Zealand, um, we've got JetSuiteX, we've got a bunch of really cool companies coming together and talking about what is really top of mind in contactless journey and how can we change um, the, you know, the current travel ribbon to really embrace contactless journey and help people feel great about flying during this, you know, this current crisis. So, you know, the process is six weeks. Um, we've, bro- you know, broken down into like these cross-functional working groups. So we actually talk about these problems from all of the different verticals within mm-hmm. travel. So it is an airline, you know, Vantage in an airport, um, you know, a more travel product style company, all talking about, you know, what is it that's going to work? in contactless journey and what parts of the travel ribbon can we actually improve with emerging technology. And you know, the only other thing I'll say, and then I'm gonna pass it to Nirali to talk about kind of some of our content and what we're really focused on, is we're not looking to solve problems that existing um, vendors solve every day. You know, the existing kiosk vendor might already have a great solution mm-hmm. for a contactless kiosk, right? With, you know, that is easy for an airline to actually implement. And we're not worried about that. We're thinking about what we're, you know, within the travel ribbon, can emerging technology and startups really push the needle? And how can we use technology to really change the game and really get people excited about being out there, but also feel really safe about being out there? Um, so that is what we're doing. Narali, let's talk, talk, talk to us about some of the really cool things we're focused on because your team has been super engaged, which has really been great. Yeah, thanks, Amy. Um, yeah, so, you know, as Amy mentioned, we've had uh, our executive teams from each of our airports participating in the contactless sprint. And, and, and let, so the JT... 
let's pause there for a second for sure. listeners that may not be familiar. Uh, the, the spread of your air, uh, where your air, you have airports um, and, you know, the sure. geographical reach of your airports. Sure, sure. So Vantage Airport Group started out of Vancouver Airport. We spun out and we expanded across Canada. So we have several airports in Canada. We have several airports in the Caribbean. We have airports in Europe. And then we've most recently been expanding in the U.S. with public-private partnerships with the Port Authority at LaGuardia uh, and Denver Airport, Midway Airport. And now we're actually going to be moving into train stations as well. So that's a different topic. So, um, so yeah, so we have quite a broad spectrum of airports. And actually, each of those airports really has its own unique flavor, passenger profile. So um, what's been great about, you know, having a network of airports to collaborate on these solutions is that you get different perspectives. Um, so we've been looking at, you know, how can we make the airport light touch mobile friendly? Um, obviously, you know, we're looking at every passenger touch point in the terminal. Um, so some of the things that we've been implementing are uh, voice assisted parking so that people don't have to um, touch the parking machines. Uh, we've been looking at self-service check-in and bag drop. You know, personally, one of the things that's a little more um, future forward that I've been really excited about is uh, decoupling luggage from the terminal. So, you know, having maybe a, a completely sterile supply chain mm. that, you know, you can um, send your bags ahead of time so you don't have to take it through the terminal with you. Um, there's a lot of touch points that will be cleared in that in that way. Um, and I think one of the JTV portfolio startups has been working on that as well. Um, so we've been implementing contactless ordering and payment at our LaGuardia Air Airport Terminal B, um, using QR codes that you know passengers can um, use around the seating area at the gate to then order and have their food delivered. We've been looking at virtual queuing. So how can we uh, avoid the long lines at the gate and everybody kind of you know um, coming ahead of time? We really want people to enjoy our airport terminal facilities. So one of the ways that we can kind of free people from feeling like they have to stand at the gate. Uh, you know, 20 minutes before their flight boards is to look at kind of a personalized countdown boarding process. So that's something that we've been exploring with a startup called Airboard. They're based in Australia. Um, we've been looking at within the terminal, so food robotics, um, you know, things, digital kiosks where people, you know, if passengers don't feel comfortable ordering or sitting down at a restaurant, how can they, um, you know, use uh, different machines for, for food and bev? Uh, but we're also looking at virtual queues for the restaurant facilities within our terminals. So, yeah, there's a lot of different interesting, um, you know, ways to, to expand upon our current offerings in a touchless, contactless way. But, um, you know, and I think a lot of these things were kind of already in play uh, and now they're just being sped along. Yeah. Right. Well, so that that's yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, presumably a lot of these projects were in the process. These things don't happen overnight, as we all know. And with when technology yeah. and airlines and airports are concerned, nothing happens overnight. But uh, what sort of, you know, what let's let's break this into pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. When you were planning these projects before um, the COVID crisis hit us, um, what were some of the what what were some of the drivers? I mean, what is what's in it for the traveler, right? I mean, now there's the public health um, there's the public health aspect of it, right? That the of reassuring travelers that it's safe to go through the airport and that and removing the touch points or the number of touch points they have. Uh, but before pre pandemic and presumably post pandemic, what is uh, what's in it for the traveler? What 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 advantage does this bring? You know, the sort of contactless travels. Uh, 
do you want, I can take that. Um, so yeah, I mean, even when I was hired, I was actually brought on by Vantage to really focus on passenger experience. And for me, that means making things efficient and entertaining. So those were the, those were kind of the focus areas that I had as I was looking at the terminal. And so some of the things, as you mentioned, like virtual queuing, right? Nobody likes to line up. So how can we apply virtual queuing to every aspect? That's probably one of the biggest complaints you get in an airport. Um, you know, uh, different offerings. Again, I think that we're trying to, we were always trying to move to a place where maybe, you know, the terminal, the, the your phone is a portal for the terminal and you can bring so much more entertainment to life through your phone, through these immersive offerings um, that we were exploring. Um, and so really, you know, for me, I want a, a passenger to be able to come to one of our Vantage airports and to just move seamlessly through any, um, you know, administrative points and get to the point and get to a facility that they can enter that will entertain them and bring them delight. That's sort of my filter well, what, what, as I look at things. When so. you say entertainment, how, what exactly do you mean? I mean, um, could you, can you explain that a little bit? Cause when I hear entertainment, I think, well, passengers on his or her phone and like watching a TV show while, while waiting for an aircraft. No, we were actually, you know, we were exploring AR technology uh -huh. and VR technology. Um, so, you know, for example, we had were working uh, exploring a startup last year that would essentially turn the entire terminal into an AR um, sort of playground, right? And everything would come to life, and there could be um, informational, um, you know, aspects to that. You would have characters that were kind of ushering you through, throwing from place to place wow. to entertain kids. That's one of the complaints that I get most often is that you know there's not enough to entertain kids in an airport. So. Um, yeah, it would have been a very like Disney style experience. Um, so that was something that we were looking at. Obviously, the pandemic has thrown a wrench in everything. Um, we were also looking at, you know, companies like Dreamscape, which is a VR company. Um, so, you know, that's a, a personal passion of mine is to bring more immersive entertainment to to the facility. That's, you know, separate from whatever you can get on your phone. Okay, I want to dig into this a little bit before I ask Amy. I want to turn to you about JTV's involvement in this. But uh, Nirali, one last point. So so when you when you say AR and VR, I mean, that that's great. And I see the entertainment value. But a few weeks ago on this podcast, I was talking to um, someone from um, Gensler, uh, the architectural firm, and uh, <clears throat> they're from their airport design practice. And, and he was saying there's a there's, you know, the pandemic is brought to the fore. They were already examining sort of virtual wayfinding and using AR and VR to, for wayfinding mm -hmm. and, and to direct people to services, but it's taken on new urgency with the pandemic. And, um, yeah. you know, it's not, I guess the, the pivot he saw coming and he had not really, this was from an architectural point of view and I wanted to get your point of view of more operational um, standpoint was that uh, the pivot coming would be from entertainment to wayfinding, not just for for crowd control to the gate, but also to public health service. Mm -hmm. um, so, so how did you have you had to pivot your operation or sort of how you've been designing these systems um, due to the pandemic, or um, you know, so how did that pivot occur? I, I yeah. just, I'm curious. To yeah, absolutely, and I would say that pivot was a little bit more of a pause. Mm -hmm. So we had to, you know, those those um, AR VR uh, um, startups that we were exploring, you know, have sort of had to take a lower priority mm -hmm. to, like you said, the wayfinding and, you know, it, essentially passenger communications has been, um, you know, top of mind, right? Because people need to know every step of the journey, what they're going to be in for, what passengers can expect from airline, airport, government. 
So, um, you know, we've been looking at that, you know, we, for example, LaGuardia, we um, are implementing a wayfinding um, informational service that will have some of those elements to it. So, um, you know, we're that I would say, yes, that's still a top priority right, right now. So, Amy, um, yeah. how, how did uh, JTV sort yeah. of get involved in the, this airport planning and, and sort of with the Vantage Group? Well, um, I, maybe I'll take a step back and just um, remind those who maybe don't know, um, JetBlue Technology Ventures is a um, wholly owned mm -hmm. subsidiary of JetBlue Airways. We are a corporate venture capital firm. So we seek out um, startups and travel technology, early stage startups and travel technology to invest in and partner with. Um, and so a lot of the work that we do at JTV is around innovation and around pushing innovation within our industry, not just the airline side of the business, but the entire travel industry. And so we really spend a lot of time thinking about how emerging tech is going to change the way we actually do business in our industry. So that's JTV. That's our world. Um, I'm in charge of the operations side, driving a lot of these innovation programs, but also a partnership program. And so maybe two years ago now, we decided that... Um, you know, we could help other travel providers take advantage of the, you know, the startup ecosystem and the emerging technology scene to figure out innovation for themselves if they join us as a partner. Um, and so we've run this partnership program now for two years. Air New Zealand was our, our launch um, partner. Vantage joined us, joined us um, gosh, almost a year and a half ago now, over a year ago now, a um, year and a few months. Um, and the goal is to help these companies think about innovation for themselves by using our infrastructure in in the in the um, CBC world. Um, we are we you know we see every you know important startup that comes through in travel. Um, we spend a lot of time thinking about what is actually real and what is actually going to help our industry move forward and what isn't. So we spend a lot you know our team is very skilled at figuring out kind of what. Um, emerging technology might really change, you know, move the needle for our industry. So Vantage joined us as a partner, which has been amazing because one of the things that we all agree and, and Nirali and I spent a lot of time talking about this is that, you know, within travel, everybody shares the same customer throughout the travel ribbon, but everybody kind of handles that customer in its, its own silo. So you've got you know, maybe ground transportation, you've got airport, then you've got an airline that's moving wherever they're going for their destination, then, you know, all of the ground transportation after that, then you've got a hospitality group who may be, you know, touching them or an activities provider or whatever it might be. But within that travel ribbon, it's really hard to innovate across these, these verticals. Um, and, you know, in the past, you know, airlines and airports and hospitality providers and other, um, trans, you know, travel um, companies haven't really done a great job at syncing up together and thinking about, hey, this is all of our customer and how can we better improve their journey by working together? So this has been a really great opportunity for us to really um, dive into the airport world, you know, thinking about what it is that um, is important to them versus what is important to the airline side with Air New Zealand and with JetBlue. Um, and how can we think about it together? And how can we solve these problems thinking across, you know, the travel ribbon for a customer? And we think that that would really provide what, you know, customers really want, which is the most, you know, seamless and amazing journey across their entire travel. They don't think of it as the individual silos. We think of it that way, right? Or we have in the past. And what we're really, our goal is to really break that down. 
Um, so it has been, a, you know, a, I think a great partnership. Um, it's been great to see JetBlue Airways and Vantage work together on certain things. This innovation sprint across all of our partnerships, as well as kind of some, you know, associated um, companies like JSX, um, you know, has been really great just to hear the different perspectives and see what is really top of mind. So the things that Nirali is looking at and her and her team, you know, are slightly different than what maybe JetBlue is thinking about, or maybe JSX is thinking about, or Air New Zealand. Um, and, you know, understanding those two different perspectives really allows you to, to innovate in a better way. At least that's our that's our perspective on so, it, right? So um, in, in addition to contactless yeah. um, travel and that that project, that, or that aspect of, of this, you've made a pivot to um, to JTV and your other partners made a pivot to, to respond to the, to the COVID-19 crisis. And I believe they're um, in the the pre conversation for before this um, this podcast. You uh, there were three areas that you were splitting up, sort of divvying things up to focus on. Uh, can can you talk about that a little bit about air, aircraft sterilization and uh, what you're mm. doing in that space? Because that's another thing that's top of mind for everyone. Yeah, uh, you know um, the really great thing about JTV um, for. Um, JetBlue, as well as all of our partners within the ecosystem, is that you know we're here to do you know the hard research of to say, hey, these are opportunities that tr that technology will provide you to answer some problem. And of course, right now during the COVID crisis, mm -hmm. our problems have changed. And you know, I was thinking about as you guys were talking about the contactless journey pre-COVID, post-COVID, um, and yes, a lot of these topics have been th thought about for a while, but. You know, certain things have come up as more important because of our current crisis than other things that have maybe fallen by the wayside a little bit. And they'll come back um, when we have time to think about them. So, you know, for JTV and, and some of the research and the innovation thinking we've been doing over the course of the last, call it five months, you know, it is sterilization and sanitization and uh, like things like using UV technology in, in all of the different spaces, in the aircraft, in the airport, you know, JetBlue is doing things like testing out um, UV kiosk um, cleaning and testing out whether or not a UV cleaner in an aircraft would actually work. You know, and those are some of the things that we've done deep dives for them on to say, hey, these are these are good companies. Mm -hmm. These are possibilities. This is where we're seeing good results from, from some, some of these things. Um, so, you know, sterilization, um, thermal scanning, Neurali and team did a huge deep dive into thermal scanning, which then we jumped on and, and used for ourselves as well. Um, and that's around, you know, how do we get away from like individual, mm -hmm. you know, temperature taking with a, with a little UV, you know, little um, infrared thing to, you know, now we have a camera that, you know, checks an entire gate area or a boarding area, um, you know, or people coming into the airport to, to pinpoint who has a potential fever. Um, we've worked on things like, um, so sterilization, thermal scanning, health mm -hmm. passport, and what that might mean in contact tracing and what that might mean for our industry. What are the technologies that would actually enable that to actually work um, in a better way? So those are just some of the things that are specific to the COVID crisis. Now we're working on the contactless journey, which again, has always been top of mind for airlines and airports and other um, in hospitality um, providers, but now has gained more importance because, you know, of the health. Well, let's stick a pin in the, the health passport because I want to get back to that, but I wanted to turn to Nirali and, uh, and ask you about, you know, the mm -hmm. thermographic imaging. I mean, is this, so would this, if I, if I'm understanding this correctly, uh, this means you could you could take temperatures of several dozen people at once or several people at once, 
so how how can you explain can you explain that a little bit like would this be situated at i mean in some airports in asia you know when you get you get the the the, the thing pointed at you it read before you <laughs> as you go through passport control so where where are you seeing this being deployed in an Sure. Yeah. So, you know, when I did this deep dive into this technology, there were the um, cameras like FLIR is one provider where you it, they process passengers individually. But obviously, in an airport context, you want to be able to scan a crowd and pick out the people that might have an elevated temperature to then do a secondary mm -hmm. screening. So we started to look into systems. And right now, the technology that started maybe during SARS, but has come a long way since then, can capture up to 30 people at wow. a time. And some, some of them even claim more, 100, but I think at some point, you know, the accuracy suffers a little bit from that. So um, so we, you know, looked at a system and, and we've, um, we're implementing one at LaGuardia right now, right, we're, we're testing it with employees at the moment, but, um, you know, and it does, it can do up to 30 people at a time. And so the idea would be to put that in the entrances, that's where they're typically recommended. So you're capturing people as they're coming into the facility and you can grab them before they contaminate the rest of the facility. Oh, okay. And then so um, another where maybe or just before the check-in kiosk. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So right, um, a little bit away from from the front mm -hmm. door because then they can surface temperatures can affect the reading, but still in that main hall in the check-in area. And then um, and then the secondary a second place, and, and we kind of see it as a layered approach, right? So your capture your first layer of screening is in entrances. Second will be um, in some sort of narrow. Um, uh, passageway. So we're thinking potentially the boarding, um, you know, gate before they board the plane. That's another place where we can um, install those cameras. So we've been looking at different areas and then obviously, you know, security, but that involves TSA and, and cooperation with TSA. So that's a sort of slower process to get that going. So we've been, um, you know, focused on the areas that the airport controls as well. And have you seen interest in this technology from U.S. airports? I mean, I know it's something that's very common abroad in Europe and Asia, but yeah. Um, it's just not something we've done in this. That's right. And, and you know, I think this is the first time that the U.S. airports have had to consider this. And I think everybody is um, on board with, you know, doing whatever they can to capture, you know, uh, one of the one of the sort of uh, questions about the effectiveness of this technology is that there are so many asymptomatic individuals, right, that um, are not going to be showing a fever and or you can take fever reducers to try to work around this. But it's so it's, it's certainly not. Um, a fail safe, but at the you know it's it's one approach and a portfolio of things that we're doing at the airport to try to make people feel safe. And and you know as I mentioned, we're doing employee screening as well. You know our filter, our approach to how we are um, investing in technology around COVID is if our employees feel safe coming to work, then passengers are going to feel safe coming to the airport. So um, that's sort of how we're we're looking at what we're what we're bringing into the terminal. Great. Well, temperature checks are one. One way to make passengers yeah. feel safe. Amy, tell me about what you're doing in the health passports. Well, I mean, right now, our, our goal is just mm -hmm. to learn um, and to understand um, if, you know, there's a couple different options, uh, you know, a couple different things that um, may come about. Um, and we're, we're just, we're here to figure out how would we answer these types of things if they do come. We're not here to say that we think that we should do right. a health passport. Um, you know, there's, you know, there's a health passport that is, is really focused on a negative right. COVID test, right? 
Um, and the problem with that is that we all know that a negative COVID test implies only a very short period of time that you are right. truly negative, um, which is, is complicated for travel. I mean, if you're going even for even the road warriors of, uh, in the world of the business travelers, if they're leaving on a Monday and coming back on a Thursday, they'd probably mm -hmm. have to get right. two right tests. Um, in order to fly if, if, it, if a massive health passport system was put in place. We do know that like Caribbean nations are thinking about um, or are starting to implement um, a requirement for a negative COVID test. Um, and so how, how, do, how are they actually implementing those types of technologies? And then there's the concept of an immunity passport at some point where that implies that you've had a negative antibody test that, that and, you know, we are getting to a point where we feel like that's real um, or, you know, at a point where there's a vaccine. And those, you know, we've seen international um, countries require, you know, immunity passports or um, vaccination proof, you know, over the years for various things. Um, so the question is, how do mm -hmm. you deal with that? If it were to come down to say that the industry must implement a health passport right now, um, you know, what are the technologies that would support that? And so we spent a lot of time thinking about that and, and just researching, you know, which, which, which type of techno, you know, kind of digital identity technology do we think is real and secure? And, you know, it, it all comes down to, you know, taking a test secure, you know, securely storing that information that then produces some sort of like a QR code that can be scanned by the provider. You know, it's, it's that process. Um, how would we implement it? So we're doing the research to figure that out. We're definitely not saying at this point that we think right. an, a health passport should be implemented for sure. Um, the more important and more immediate thing for the industry is contact tracing and the health questionnaire. And A4A has, right. has led the charge um, with the industry and IATA um, to say, you know, this is probably the step that we need right now. So I think um, the deadline might be early, you know, September 1st or something for airlines to actually start um, producing a health um, questionnaire for especially international travelers um, with a you know maybe a contact tracing app that allows them to be able to you know figure out where these people are going you know if they turn out to have um, you know a, a positive oh. COVID test. Um, so I think the industry is really focused on you know contact tracing, health questionnaire. People are really um, embracing that side of it. We're just we just our job at JTV is to to be ahead of mm -hmm. disruption. And our job is to make sure that JetBlue and our partners are never taken by surprise. And that if something were to come up like that, we have a solution for how they can deal with it. And so a lot of the work we do is forward thinking. And it's not something that we think that would, would immediately be implement, implemented by any of our providers, any of our partners, um, you know, JetBlue included. It's just our job is to think about what that what it means you know, right. for our industry. So we've done a lot of research in terms of um, what would we do if that came up. <laughs> <laughs> and we're hoping at this stage, we think that's not really the best um, solution for travel in the, at least in the domestic right. U.S. We'll see mm. where it but goes. Contact tracing potentially could be, right? Contact tracing and health questionnaires seem to be the right step at this point for the industry. Um, beyond that, I think it's tricky, you know, just even just the, the ability to get tested and get results in a timely manner show that health passports yeah. be really hard to implement. Yeah, I mean, right? I was just, I th believe it's Emirates that's requiring um, passengers within 72 hours of boarding. But as you mentioned, mm -hmm. that's 72 hours, yeah. right? So what is... Yeah. Yes, and it's incredibly difficult in right. the United States and a lot of areas to get a test and actually yeah, get exactly. a result within 72 hours. I mean, people are waiting a week or two weeks for results. So at that point, it's it's moot and you, and you can't <laughs> fly. So... You know, if, if that were to be implemented in a, a broad scale, I think it'd be really tricky, at least where we are right, right now. Well, you know, we're close to time. Um, I wanted to throw it out there and see if we have any questions. Um, we've got a quiet crowd today, but uh, 
Uh, Amy, Nirali, I want to thank you both for joining us today on the podcast or on the webinar, live stream, whatever it's called these days. <laughs> but, uh, thank you so much for joining us. These are um, these are interesting times, right? And I'm I. Yeah. Uh, oh, we got a special. We got a special guest. <laughs> yeah, we your, got a special guest. <laughs> your dog agrees. <laughs> your dog definitely agrees. Um, uh, but yeah, thank you, thank you so much for updating us on what you're doing with um, contactless travel and for using technology to, to reassure passengers that the travel experience is safe. Absolutely. I want to thank all our listeners as well for um, joining us and to remind you that this will be available as a podcast later in the week at wherever on iTunes, Spotify, wherever it's your podcast. And as usual, if you have any feedback, you can drop me a line at mu at skift.com. Amy, Nirali, thank you so much. Thanks, Mado. Bye. Bye. Bye.